19 through 22, and I think this is a message that obviously God wants every one of us in this room to hear, because Brittany gave it, and I'm just going to reiterate it, okay? So Acts chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand, and, and Carl or Aaron or Jared will bring you a Bible, so just put your hand up high. David needs one over here. And if you don't own a Bible, that can be our gift to you. And it's big print, so we can all read it. I love it. Okay, let me read Acts chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. If you don't, don't have a Bible, again, raise your hand. Or you can open up your fancy thing called a phone, and it's there. So, while Peter was wandering, wandering, W-O, sorry. While Peter was wandering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. Verse 19, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. So if you're a first time here, we're jumping in the middle of a story. One of the things that we do is expository teaching. So literally last week was one year of teaching through the book of Acts, and we're just 10 chapters in. So just do the math. We're going to be in Acts for a while, but we're in the middle of a story, and I want to catch you up just real quick. If you want to look a couple verses earlier, Peter was given a vision by God, and it was a vision that made no sense to him. It was a sheet coming down, and there were all sorts of hooved animals, and God's saying, you can eat all of that. Nothing is not unclean anymore. Everything is clean, and Peter's sitting there, and as a Jewish person, he's saying, even pigs? Like even so, he, it's 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 changing the game completely for Peter as he's sitting here and he's getting this vision. And then we catch up to verse seventeen. And while Peter was wondering about the meaning of that vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. If the game was changing for you completely, would you be wondering about what what God was saying? You're saying what? What I couldn't do just a day ago, and now you're saying I can do? Huh? And so if, if, if you're anything like Peter, if I'm anything like Peter, I was probably on top of the house going, wondering as well. Like, God, what does this vision mean? I want to hit a pause there because that catches us up to the story. But I want to point out something that's happening right now, a bigger picture, okay? Peter, as we begin to look, and he's been teaching for a little while now, in verse 33, Peter was involved in three great healings. Right, Grandpa? Three great healings. The first great healing was the body of Aeneas. In verse 33, you see the body of a man who had been crippled for eight years was healed by Peter. Pretty cool, huh? How many of you could do that? I wish I could do that. That'd be awesome. That's a great, that's a great miracle. Though only topped by a greater miracle by Peter, we find only a couple view- verses later that a greater miracle is Peter was used to raise Tabitha from the dead. In verse 40, 
You see that? So we have a great miracle. We have a greater miracle that Peter is part of. And now we get entered into what we think is the greatest miracle of all. Greater than healing someone crippled for eight years. Greater than raising someone from the dead. We're in the middle of the story, which is a greater miracle, the greatest miracle of all. And that is the message, the gospel message, that salvation is for Jews and Gentiles. And it's for the world at large. And so the greatest thing is winning lost sinners. The greatest miracle we get to experience on life is making the Gentiles as well as the Jews heirs of salvation. The greatest healing of all is when someone that's far from God realizes that they're loved and accepted by God and they stop living for themselves and give their lives to follow God. That's the greatest miracle of all. Would you agree, church? And Peter, as he's in the middle of this, It's probably pretty awesome to heal someone. It's probably pretty incredible to watch someone raised from the dead and be used by God to do that. I wonder how awesome it is to be with someone and to walk with someone as they for the first time realize how much God loves them. We're invited into that last one for sure. We're invited to be partners with with God and the gospel message as we tell others the love of God. We may not be able to heal people. We may not be able to raise people from dead. But we have a mouth and we have a life which we can share and we can tell others about the love of God. He's invited us in to be partners with this greatest healing of all times. All right, let's get to verse 17. Verse 17, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of this vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped by the gate. In verse 17, was wandering, wandering. We might as well say Brittany while waiting. Was wandering. The, great, the, the Greek transliteration of that word, so turning this word into something that we can somewhat understand, is diasporel. That's the Greek meaning for was wandering. And the meaning of this word, when you look in the original text, the, the meaning of this world is to, this word is to be greatly perplexed or to be at a loss. To be greatly perplexed or to be at a loss. It also means to be quite at a loss, to be in doubt, in difficulty. And it also means to be very perplexed, to not know what to do, and to be very confused. In his wandering thinking, in the waiting, Brittany, to be completely perplexed, to not know what to do, to be a little confused. So we see that in verse 17. In verse 18, it says, they called out and asked if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. In verse 19, while Peter was still thinking about the vision the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So in verse, in verse 17, you see this Greek word, and it talks about was wondering. And in verse 19, you see a different set of Greek words put together that, that are saying he was still thinking. The focus should not be on how much, but on how hard. And that's what this means right here. The intensity of what he was thinking about. It shouldn't be on how much. He was wondering and thinking for a long period of time. That's not what the writer is saying here. What he's saying here is that Peter wasn't thinking about it for days and days and days, but he was intensely thinking about it. He was wondering with all his being as to what God was saying during this time. Peter is fully focused 
on what God was saying. He's still thinking. And this word thinking only appears right here. This word thinking only appears right here in the Bible, which means to think about something thoroughly and seriously. Peter was active in his pursuit to know more about God and God's vision in his life. Peter was active to know what God was saying and for God to reveal the truth of this vision to his life and to God's word. God, at this point, as Peter is wandering and thinking, did not, God did not make much sense to him. You tracking with me? God did not make much sense to Peter, nor did what Peter was being asked make much sense to him. He was wandering and he was thinking. What was revealed to Peter did not make much sense to him. He just sat on a roof, hangry, in a trance, not knowing what to do. Ever been there? Sounds like me and God. Sounds like me and the way I interact with Scripture a lot. Sometimes I just wander. Sometimes I just have to think and ponder. God? The things of God, his word, the things he's showing me. When the game is changing, when I'm in the waiting, sometimes all I have is the ability to wonder what God's up to and to think. Huh, I wonder what this means. And to have questions. A lot of questions. And not many answers. May I propose that if you're not perplexed, perplexed in regards to aspects of God or his scripture or your life, may I propose that you are not fully seeking the things of the Lord. If I, as your pastor, to stand up here and say, hey, you know what, good news. I went to seminary, I got it all figured out. Run. God is perplexing. His word is perplexing. Our life situations are perplexing. None of us have it figured out. It's church project. And this is a beautiful thing. One day I'm going to die. I'm going to stand before God. Hypothetically, just go with me, okay? We stand before God. We're going to have coffee. I'm probably going to have a flat white because I really like that. Just, just God and I hanging out. He's going to say, hey, Aaron, how's it going? I'm like, good. Thanks for heaven. This is pretty cool. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, never mind. I just really messed up my theology right there, but don't worry about it. Just go with me on this story. I'm sitting before God. I'm dead. He's like, how's it going? I'm like, good. But I got two things I'm really worried about and wondering. I've wondered my whole life. Two things, God. He's like, all right, you got five minutes. What is it? One. What's up with hair? I don't understand hair. Like, any of you ever like that? I'm like, why? Why did you give us hair, God? It doesn't make sense. Is it to keep us warm so old people don't have to be warm? What, back here doesn't have to be warm? Like, what's up with hair? I know, I know that sounds really small and minute, but if I have two questions to ask, that's one of them for sure. The other one, 
Oh, house church pastors, you're going to like these kind of questions. The other one is, seriously, that communion thing was the weirdest thing ever, God. Like, you know how hard it is to do communion with the church, and you're up there saying, eat my body and drink my blood? I'm like, well, that sounds really weird. So why did you ask me to do communion? I get it, right? Okay, so that's how bad, that's how wicked my heart is, guys. That's the two things I'm going to ask God when I'm sitting before him. That was supposed to be a joke, but it didn't go so well, so that's okay. There's things in scripture, there's things of God that are so complexing, all we're left to do is wander and to think and to wait. God, what are you doing? I don't see the story. We can see where Peter's at right now wandering. We can also see in the grand scheme of this text and this passage how God is moving heaven and earth to reveal himself to Peter, but Peter just doesn't know it at this time. Everything is perplexing at this time. So let's get to verse uh, 2020. 20. So Get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate. Go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you are looking for. Why have you come? Verse 22, the men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. In verse 23, then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. So, so look in verse 22. God, who sends a great angel. This is the, the complexity of even this story. It is God that sends the great angel who visits Cornelius. See that? God sends an angel to visit Cornelius. Cornelius sends three men to Simon's house. Cornelius, three men, now to Simon's house. Where Peter is found, Peter's at Simon's house. You see the complexity of how we're getting down relationships and what God's already doing to move heaven and earth, earth while Peter is wandering? You see the complexity? So Peter is at, at, the, at Simon's house, who, by the way, was already visited by God, and Cornelius was visited by God. Peter was visited by God. So God was moving at this level in Cornelius, yet he was also moving at this level with Peter. God is throughout this whole process and everyone involved in this process. As smart men and women that have come before me, theologians that have come before me, we've tried to talk about the complexities of God and two words that you can study on your own and have a lot of fun with. There's two words. Here's one of them. Imminent and, transcend, and transcendent. Imminent means God is close to humankind and deeply involved in our lives. He's imminent. He's close. The other word is transcendent, which means God is far off and untouchable. He's removed. Like, he's up there somewhere. So we have transcendent and we have Imminent, and we have theologians through all times that are, that are talking about what is God? Imminent, is he transcendent, is he close, is he far? What is God? And even in this story right here, God is near and, and deeply cares. He sends people to Peter, he's an angel to Peter, a voice to Cornelius, he's imminent. Like, he is right here, and he's far off. God is perfect, and without his son Jesus, we are all removed from him. And in the entire story of what's happening right here, we see a God, a God that is God above everything and controls everything at large, and we see a God that is imminent, close, and cares to every small detail while Peter is in the waiting. 
while Peter is perplexed, while Peter is wondering. It doesn't stop God from doing what God's doing, but God cares enough about him to move at a pace that is comfortable for Peter. Push him just enough in his wondering and his perplexity. Please forgive my horrible, bad parenting example as I try to illustrate this a little bit. Zoe and Audra still twitch a little bit when we go shopping, I imagine. Probably not, but when they were young, don't ever do this, this is bad. When they were young, they would wander off. Anyone, anyone, okay, you're with your kids, they wander off in the store, they would wander off. And I remember one time, I would just let them hide, I would just hide, and I would just watch and see what they did as they wandered off, right? Any of you parents ever did it? Don't admit it, Okay. My girls are still here. Everything's okay. And they just twitch a little bit when we go shopping. It's okay. So I, I, I figured I'll let natural consequences follow in. I'll just hide from them just a little bit. I would watch them. And in just the right moment, right at the freak out moment, when they're screaming and crying and sucking their thumb in a corner somewhere, I would show up and be like, I'm here. Like, ha you didn't lose me. The world's not ending. Terrible, terrible example. I was far off, yet I was nearer than they even knew. Like, no harm was coming to Zoe. No harm was coming to Audra. I was far off, but I was nearer than they ever knew. I was watching over them. I was protecting them. I was also letting them learn a valuable lesson. You still want to hear what I have to say? Or did I just disqualify myself today? All right, let's keep going. God is not a puppeteer pulling the strings and manipulating the system to maneuver his way? No. He will move heaven and earth and chase after you to get your attention. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He dances in our humanity long enough to pique our curiosity and to get our dependence on his deity. God is imminent. God is transcendent. He can relate and he dances with us in our wait. And he allows us to wait and he allows us to wonder. And all along he's moving in heaven and earth to show you how much he loves you. This is a God that I serve. He knew that Peter was being perplexed and he he knew just enough amount of freedom and direction. You see, he let him stay in his perplexed state in his wandering, in his thinking, and and what did God, what are you doing? God let him stay in that state just long enough so that Peter didn't feel like a puppet being like this, like this. Like, I had to wonder, and I had to sit in this, and when God spoke, I knew it. I knew that God spoke. May I propose that God knows exactly what you need today? God knows exactly what you need today. God, if I only knew what to do, please make it clear Do you think it's really about that final action? Like, if I, God, if I only knew what to do about this, please make it clear. Do you think God cares more about that final action and that final result? Or do you think it's more about your heart and your relationship to seek him, to know what he's doing to that action is done? 
I don't think God truly cares the utmost about that final action and that final result. What I think God is chasing after is our heart in a relationship that says, as you don't know what the end of the story looks like, my child, as you're waiting and as you're wandering, don't you worry. I'm God Almighty. I've got it under control. But I care more about your heart and your attitude and your perspective as you seek me and we walk this journey out to that final result. How many of you are waiting for something right now? (laughs) Everybody, raise your hand. We're all waiting. We're all perplexed. None of us have got this whole thing figured out. We're all wondering, God, what are you doing? What are you doing even as I look around the world and see pain and hurt and sorrow? What are you doing when I lost that loved one? What are you doing when I'm waiting like Brittany and Jeremy? What are you doing? Oh, children, brothers and sisters, it's not about the end result. It's about the relationship. It's about the heart. It's about depending upon God in this journey. Don't miss the journey. It's about the perplexing journey with God, the relationship, the dependence. The fear of not being with or knowing where your father is was the biggest thing that haunted Zoe and Audra when I was hiding from them. Where's my father? And when you're in the middle of that, seeking to be with your father, and the realization that without your father you're going to be lost, The father knew the situation. And the reunion was great. When God shows up in your situation and you see him and the wandering is coming to an end and the waiting is coming to an end, isn't that reunion better? Because you've sought him your entire way through. Church, my greatest thing that I want to say today is don't be rushed in your perplexity. Sit in the wondering. Peter's on a roof going, I have no idea what this means. That doesn't mean God wasn't moving. He had been moving, he was moving, and he was about to move in powerful ways. And he entered into the humanity with Peter and said, wander, sit in it, think about it. I'm God, I'm moving. But I'm not going to rush your perplexity because I enjoy this relationship and I'll reveal myself to you one step at a time. Church, don't rush the perplexity. Be honest as you open scripture. Make a list of things you don't understand because mine is huge. Make a list of questions you have about God. And if you even need to start at the very beginning, God, do you exist? Put that there. Sit in perplexity. Know that God Almighty is moving heaven and earth and he loves you. He's walking with you and he's patient. Enjoy the unknown as you seek your father and his meaning in your life. Is that a good word? Because if we look any other place in this world, we're going to see selfish ambitions. We're going to see human approaches 
to approach God. We're going to see 401ks that will disappear and cars that will rust. If we find our identity and we're waiting on anything other than the deity of God speaking into our life and showing us the meaning of life, we're waiting for nothing. So sit in your perplexity, ask God honest questions. When you go to house church this week, open your heart and be vulnerable and honest. Brittany and Jeremy did a wonderful job today doing that. And as a congregation and as brothers and sisters, as we embrace the perplexities of Scripture and God and this life in this world, it's going to come beautiful when God shows us his answers and his timing. Amen? I'm going to ask us right now, I have no idea what God's showing you. No idea. But I have to imagine with topics like this that each and every one of us have something we're waiting on, something that's painful, something that's just in here, maybe something from our past or something we're going through right now that is perplexing to us. God, why did you? Why this? How about? I'm wondering and I'm thinking what you're doing. And so I'm gonna release just the Holy Spirit on you right now in this place to speak to you in very powerful and personal ways. And so if you would, just close your eyes, close your Bible. This is a great time to focus in on God. See, God Almighty is transcendent and God Almighty is imminent. He is far off, he is deity, but he's also wanting a personal relationship with you today. And as a child of a king, as a son and daughter of a king, as a follower of God Almighty, he's promised to give you the Holy Spirit to speak things into your heart, into your mind, that he would never speak into me as the pastor. He's speaking directly to you right now. You do not need anyone speaking to you for God. God can speak to you directly. So in this place right now, I I invite you just to quietly sit and put out your hands openly with your palms up if you're comfortable with it, just in a submissive stance, saying, God, I receive anything you want to show me. God, show me who you are today. And God, in this waiting game, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're doing and who you are. But I trust you. Maybe some of us in this room, we've been holding on to our life so hard that we're living our life for us. A great place to start today would say, God, I trust who you are. I know you're God and I'm not. I give you control of my life. Would you please forgive me of any wrong actions that I've done, any thoughts that go against you in this world? God, I surrender my life to you today. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, to be risen from the grave, to defeat death, to cover over my sins. And God, because of Jesus, I can have a relationship with you. And I call on your name. Will you be my Lord and Savior? Would you direct my life today? 
God, would you enter into this place of waiting with me? Show me who you are. Show me who I am. And show me what you're doing, God. I need you. I need you to show up. We're going to continue to pray together. I'm going to give us a blessing. I'm going to invite Kim to come up and pray over us and for us. Father, in your name, I pray over your people today. I pray that you would bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them. Be gracious to them. I pray that you would give them your peace and that your kingdom would come and your perfect will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all of God's people said, why don't we stand and continue to pray, be prayed over, and to worship God in this place? Father God, thank you so very much for your love, your amazing grace, and your involvement in our lives. Thank you for being intimate with us and having a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us. And as we stand before you, your children, I ask that you would encourage us, Lord Jesus. Encourage us in our brokenness and in our confusion and perplexity. Wondering about purpose and meaning. And why are we here and why are we going through what we're going through? Come minister to us this very moment as only you can. By your power and your authority, Holy Spirit, come upon each one of us. And direct our footsteps, for you are a light unto our path. Make it clear to us. You are our beacon, our morning star. We cling to you. We hold fast to you. And for those of us who are stronger, come around those who are hurting and broken and can't stand. Lord, equip your church to be all that you've called us to be so that we can stand strong for you and bring you honor and glory, waiting together, suffering together, rejoicing together, crying together, but reminding each other, you are truth, and you are our hope, and you are our purpose, and nothing else matters here on this earth. So bolster our faith where we are weak, make us strong, and ultimately, be it for your glory, honor, and praise. We love you, Lord Jesus, Father God, and Holy Spirit. By your authority, we pray these things, Jesus. Amen.